What's up everyone and welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now where we cover how the environment, our society and corporate governance affects and are affected by our economy. I'm your host Mike DiCibato and this week we have two stories for you. The first is on a very public proxy fight between a billionaire and McDonald's on its supplier's treatment of pigs. And the other is about the first enforcement action by the SEC's Climate and ESG Task Force. Thanks as always for joining us. Stay tuned. There have been some very public fights over company leadership in the past couple weeks. One of the bigger ones was between Twitter and Elon Musk, where Musk took a sizable stake in Twitter and then agitated for change, got it in the form of a board seat, stepped down, and then bought the company. This is sort of what you would call a more aggressive type of shareholder activism. Usually you buy a large stake in a company and then either nominate a board member to be voted on by shareholders, which you are now a sizable representation of, or try a hostile takeover. This is often done by billionaires in either form, you know, either a person or a hedge fund or someone like Musk. Then there are those less aggressive types of shareholders activism that are done via a shareholder proposal. These proposals often fall into our wheelhouse. You know, they're a push for carbon disclosures or more diversity, equity, and inclusion policies or more board independence for management. This can be done by any shareholder, whether they have 100 shares or 100,000 shares. What is interesting is this week is that Carl Icahn, a billionaire who has earned the title of a corporate raider by many media organizations with a long history of successful quote-unquote aggressive proxy fights with companies, has done a hybrid of the two. He bought 200 shares of McDonald's worth about 50,000 US dollars. By the way, he's worth in the tens of billions, so 50,000 is a lot for many, but not him. And then he nominated two board members to McDonald's board seats and said, his main issue is the company's purchasing of pork from suppliers that use what are called gestation crates, which are cages basically used to constrain pregnant pigs and are so small that they can stand or lay but not turn around in. By the way, the National Pork Board contends pregnant pigs prefer these crates. Irrespective, this fight has been happening behind the scenes with McDonald's versus Icon and the U.S. Humane Society since the 2010s. And in 2012, McDonald's actually pledged to stop buying pork from producers who use the crates by 2022. But when pressed on this issue, McDonald's said that removing the practice from their supply chains is economically unfeasible, and so they find themselves in a public proxy battle with Icon and Co. over the ethical treatment of animals. It's an ESG proxy battle that begs our attention, so I called up my colleague John Pounder, who is a specialist on proxy contests and focuses on company governance questions for us, and I asked him to give me his take. Well, so I think we can look at this from two perspectives, actually. And uh, the choice of words there, uh, economic feasibility, I think is actually quite important. We have a, a precedent case from last year where uh, a smaller hedge fund named Engine Number no. 1 made a similar gambit at Exxon, successfully, I might add, for, for three board seats, uh, predicated upon the fact that the company is at a bit of a crossroads when it comes to their their identity. It's a crisis of of who they will be in the future, especially given the uh, the ongoing green revolution in power. So the difference, and I think this is a key difference in these cases uh, between uh, Exxon and McDonald's, is that Exxon was a chronic underperformer throughout the time period that they were investigating. This paves the way for activist investors to create a meaningful 
line of thinking that can be digested by both uh, institutional and retail holders, which is going to be significant in McDonald's case as well, because you see some entities in common between both companies, namely uh, those like BlackRock and Vanguard, who both have significant positions um, within Exxon and McDonald's. Just to quickly cut in to give some context, when John mentions BlackRock and Vanguard, he is doing so because these institutional giants voted against Exxon's leadership and gave engine number one a powerful base of support. And even more important is John's mention of performance, that is Exxon's stock performance, which was lagging behind its peers during this engine number one activism push. This is different from McDonald's, who is actually performing a bit better stock price-wise than its fast food peers. So Carl has a, a little bit of an uphill battle uh, facing him for convincing these uh, these entities who are usually somewhat reticent to, to rock the boat, uh, especially in periods of strong performance without uh, a strong rationale backing it up. So here's where we get to the tricky supply chain economics that are coming into play with McDonald's because it issued a statement addressing the ICANN proxy battle, stating that the pork supply chain doesn't yet have the systems in place to provide pork on a scale demanded by McDonald's without using those gestation crates. McDonald's said specifically that 0.1% of U.S. pork production is done without the use of those crates, which it cannot change, and that ICANN's proposal would prohibitively increase its costs. But that hesitance on the part of McDonald's makes me think about how they moved the seafood market to be more sustainable with its cheekily named the Reel It In campaign that said that the company would only use sustainably certified fish in their filet fish sandwiches. Now because of McDonald's scale, the fishing industry moved with McDonald's and McDonald's was supplied with a more sustainable source of fish. And I think many would agree that it's good if our fishing practices are more sustainable Because if fishing stocks collapse, then McDonald's and others can no longer eat fish or sell filet fish among other issues. In that instance, McDonald's said, damn with the costs. We are going to try and figure out a way to get this system more sustainable. Now, the complication here is that the Real Eating campaign was a broad push for more environmentally sustainable practices, whereas Icon is asking investors to push for an important but much more niche issue of animal welfare. And I say niche because shareholders usually vote against proposals that are focused on animal welfare, and there's usually less of those than other shareholder proposals. If we look at our data, we see that there have been around 131 shareholder proposals that have been on proxy ballots that have focused on animal welfare concerns since 2011. Of those 131, only two have gotten the votes necessary to pass. One was in 2016, and it was a proposal to applaud Kellogg for its consideration of animal welfare and its use of cage-free eggs. You heard that right, a proposal to applaud Kellogg. And then second, a 2013 proposal to consider certain animal welfare policies at the Cracker Barrel Company, such as, coincidentally, the removal of gestation crates from its pork supply chain. But 2 out of 131 isn't great, and a majority of those shareholder proposals didn't even get over a 10% for vote. And now here's one of the biggest problems that this proposal has at the moment. It doesn't have institutional backing. Remember I mentioned for engine number one, BlackRock and Vanguard. Well, having an institutional investor on your side is like having God itself watching your back. Institutional investors are some of the largest shareholders in the market, and where they vote, so goes many. 
Not only that, they work alongside groups like the Institutional Shareholder Service, ISS, or Glass-Lewis that give advice on how investors should vote their shareholder proposals after doing thorough governance analysis. And when it comes to animal welfare, both groups are a bit vague on where shareholders should go. If you look at, uh, at the institutional shareholder voting policies, so Vanguard and BlackRock, for example, although they, uh, they specify that they're willing to, uh, to examine any proposals that touch on ESG issues uh, in an ad hoc nature, uh, we do note that there isn't anything specific to animal welfare within their, their policies. And so it's unclear, at least at surface, how they will perceive and vote upon, uh, upon these issues. Now, that's not to be said that uh, that, that, uh, that could be a negative or a positive. It's simply a bit of a black box that we'll have to see how it, uh, it plays out. Um, additionally, when you look at, uh, at some of the proxy advisors who, of course, have uh, massive influence when it comes to determining the vote at any company, ISS uh, actually does specifically address animal welfare within their policies. And although they say that they generally vote for or in favor of, uh, of anything that's adding uh, transparency or that is, uh, uh, I guess, an objective good when it comes to animal welfare, they do also add some caveats uh, relating to how that company is performing against its peers. And also they specify that they will only really um, target these, uh, these policies in the case of recent fines, litigation, controversies, etc. related to these practices. And Glass-Lewis, on the other hand, is even more um, uh, withdrawn, might be a poor choice of words, but, uh, but reticent to engage on these, saying that they generally will vote against animal welfare proposals, although they do note that it uh, will be reviewed on a case-by-case basis, so there is some wiggle room, and perhaps uh, if a compelling case can be made, then, uh, then they'd be willing to overlook this generally negative uh, viewpoint. By the way, those fines, those controversies and problems of reputation caused by these types of animal welfare issues is also what we consider as how the ethical treatment of animals affects companies. Some investors want to screen out companies that are involved in things like animal testing, factory farming, animal exhibitions, things like that, but also screen for include companies that do promote the ethical and humane treatment of animals in their businesses. Reputation risks and controversies can more easily follow companies that have to deal with living things in their industry. And in the end, this might be what Icon is trying to accomplish with this public proxy battle. It seems like he is just trying to get McDonald's to change how they treat pigs. Or he's putting forth two new board directors for another reason. We're just going to have to kind of wait and see what that reason might be. But what he has already succeeded in doing is shining a light on how McDonald's and other fast food companies operate and possibly inadvertently made investors aware of other proxy contests that McDonald's is currently facing. You know, we can speculate all we want about the outcome of this, uh, this fight as it uh, progresses in the coming months, but uh, what I would point to is the increased airtime and obviously um, eyeballs on top of the various other proposals that have been submitted to McDonald's, uh, touching on a variety of related subjects, including things as, uh, as various as antibiotics or a third-party civil rights audit, uh, all the way to lobbying activities on the part of the company. And uh, in spite of whatever outcome um, uh, Carl's endeavors uh, engender, uh, obviously any increased level of transparency and any degree of attention on the, uh, the part of the larger capital market upon these uh, very significant issues is, I think, a, uh, I think we can count that as a win.
Vale, the global mining company made infamous by the collapse of their tailings dam in Brazil, is in the news again after the SEC's Climate and ESG Task Force issued an enforcement action against the company that said it made false and misleading claims about the safety of its dams and the company regularly misled local governments, communities, and investors about the safety of the Brumadino Dam through its environmental, social, and governance disclosures. So to talk more about this, I have on the line with me Sam Block, who covers Vale for us. And so Sam, take me through why this enforcement action against Vale after all the criminal and civil suits that it already faced from the Brazilian government is so significant. It happens to be one of the first charges by the USSCC's new Climate and ESG Task Force, uh, which was created back in March 2021 um, within the Enforcement Division. And their mandate was to identify material gaps or misstatements in issuers' ESG disclosures. We, we, don't, we don't know exactly what the consequences will be yet. Um, uh, and, the, and the company has denied the allegations, um, and they said they will vigorously defend um, themselves against the case. But um, we do see that there are some you know, potentially valid points here. In fact, um, it, is, it, is a, it is something we wrote about back in 2019, not long after the tailings dam collapsed. And so just for whatever for everyone listening, what, what, you're, what Sam's talking about here is the ESG disclosures that Vale presented and what actually happened. So Vale said that 100% of the audited tailing structures in their disclosures were certified to be in stable condition physically and hydraulically. Now, not only was that false, but it turned out that those auditors were not fully independent. They were offered business in exchange for certifying Vale's dams. And so what it seems like the SEC is now saying is that, company, if you cause a disaster, uh, there might be civil and criminal charges brought against you, but we might bring enforcement actions against you if you lied about certain material things in your ESG disclosure documents. So, Sam, I'm curious if you think that this enforcement action is maybe a precedent set for the future of how ESG disclosures are going to be looked at by the SEC. Now, obviously, we have no idea what the SEC is actually thinking, um, but I think it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on what might happen in the future uh, with this case as an example. You know, with trillions of dollars flowing into ESG uh, investing, the SEC is showing that, you know, they're recognizing ESG factors are important for investors and therefore are affecting capital markets uh, more directly than maybe in the past. Um, even though, you know, sustainability reports are not registered with the U.S. SEC, they are still a source of informing investors about, you know, potentially material risks. And therefore, SEC, the SEC, you know, likely sees this as fair game uh, for them to, to litigate against. Yeah, regardless of how this plays out, I, it seems like the SEC, with its proposal on standardizing climate data, with it bringing classic enforcement actions against a company for misleading sustainability disclosures. It seems like the SEC has ESG reports very much on its mind and is going to be doing some interesting things in, the, in, in our industry in 2022 and beyond. And that's it for the week. I wanted to thank John and Sam for discussing the news with an ESG twist. I wanted to thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and review us. That helps with other people finding our podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you can hear my voice or Bentley's voice uh, every week. Bentley is going to be hosting next week, so I'll talk to you in two weeks' time. 
Thanks and have a good rest of the week. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc. subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research, LLC, a registered investment advisor, and the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to, nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.